The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What is going on? Hey, super pumped to have you in the car with me. This is Shaleen. This is the Shaleen Show. On Fridays, we keep it real informal. We go for a ride together. So please put your seatbelt on. Today, we're talking about dementia and Alzheimer's and really specifically what's going on at the Johnson household. All right, seatbelt on. Let's do it. Well, today... My guess I should probably start by saying it's stressful, y'all. It's stressful. It's hard. And this week has been harder than most. And I'm going to start by saying if you are a family member, just don't even listen to this podcast because that complicates things. This is my outlet. This is my therapy. So if you are a member of my family, just don't listen to this episode. Can you do that for both of us so we can maintain a really good relationship? Right? Thank you. Thank you. Because I just don't want you to be offended. I'm going to speak the truth, but I don't want you to be offended. And I don't need you to comment on it. And it just is what it is. So thanks for shutting off this episode. Love ya. Okay. For real, that does drive me crazy because I want to be as honest and transparent with y'all as I possibly can. I think it's super valuable to the world, to people who are going through this. It's super valuable and helpful and therapeutic for me to be able to do that. And I do oftentimes censor what I'm saying because I know it can be misinterpreted. I know that family members can be like, was that about me? I know that it's just annoying. I'm sorry. Listen to any other episode but these, if you don't mind. Thank you. Okay, moving on. The reason why I had to start with that is because family is, in our particular situation, is one of the more stressful parts of this. Caring for someone with dementia is hard enough. And then there are the promises of family members and friends who will regularly say they're going to do this or they're going to do that and they just don't or family members and friends who are judgmental of other family members and friends yet they're not doing shit and it's this strange dynamic where you're like annoyed and disappointed with people and you know you're doing as much as you can and at times you start to feel a little bit like a martyr or like you know geez, why is it this all falls on our shoulders? But the answer to that is because if you're a doer and you're the kind of person who just is a giver, you tend to keep giving and takers and people who need to be taken care of love to play that role. And you, meaning we, love to play the role of the people who take care of people. So, you know, I know it goes both ways. I know that we have created this situation where, all right, we're going to take care of everything, yet we're also becoming resentful that we're having to take care of everything. And you almost wish that people would just be honest and say, it's not a priority and we're not interested. So that's almost easier. 
and I've talked to a couple of friends who are in the same position and they kind of feel the same way. Like, yeah, what's really annoying are the people who are like, we'll be there next week. Boy, we'd love to take him out to dinner. We'd love to let us know if there's anything we can do to help. Well, just use your common sense. There's a lot of things you could do to help, you know, and coming over and just like hanging out at our house, that's not helpful. We need a break and we need sometimes to just do work. Like we, we run four different businesses and we've got team members and like, you know, this isn't like two people who are just in the prime of their life, retired and eating grapes all day. So yeah, this is a bitch session, a little bit of that, maybe a lot of that. So where are we with Bob's stage of Alzheimer's is that he's slipping a little bit and that's the disease. He's not declining quickly. That's for sure. I wouldn't assess him in that way at all. Minor things. So let me just tell you the stages that he's at. Like he doesn't know any words for items. Like if you said, where's the plate? Can you get me a fork? Today he said he was going to sweep the patio. And I said, oh, okay, Bob, I'll go get you the broom. But in the meantime, I said that to him, but I was on a Zoom webinar. I was on a meeting. So, and I was going to put myself on pause for a second to run upstairs and interrupt my meeting and go get him a broom. But before I could do that, he walked upstairs on his own. And I thought, well, let's just see if he comes down with a broom. He came down with a towel to sweep up the patio. So he just doesn't know terms. He doesn't know items. He doesn't know what to do with things. He throws his trash away in the freezer. He throws his trash away in the pantry. He fed the dogs. We bought filet mignon. He woke up and got out of his room before we could get downstairs. And he fed the dogs like $150 worth of filet mignon for breakfast. When I say dogs, I don't mean dogs. He fed Rocco $150 worth of filet mignon for breakfast. And these things have been going on. I'm just like kind of sharing some of the things that, you know, happen on a weekly basis. Bathroom stuff. He's not had any incontinence. So that's great. That's huge. That's wonderful. But there's some bathroom things going on where he's regularly clogging the toilets. And, you know, what do you do with that? Well, I'll tell you what we do. We call a plumber out every other day. That gets expensive. We've recently had to put him on clothing restriction because he was wearing everything that he owns. I thought the man was going to drown in his own clothing. I think I've mentioned that before. So what we did is we moved all of his clothes into another room. And now we just put out the items, you know, that we picked out for him to wear It's like kind of like having a toddler the next day. But what we did do was, you know, gave him a couple pairs of socks and a couple pairs of underwear because sometimes he likes to change his underwear a couple times throughout the day. And yes, I know this is like TMI, but like there aren't any accidents happening. He's just one of those things he does. But lately he wears a pair of underwear and then he puts his pants on and then he puts a pair of underwear over them. He's been doing that a lot lately. And he doesn't seem embarrassed when I help him figure that out. I'll try to find a creative way or Brett will try to find a creative way. We'll just say like, you know, it's kind of hot today. You probably don't need all those layers. Why don't you take off that top layer? And that usually works pretty well. I'm trying to think of some other things that are reflective of his stage. Just struggling a little bit more to communicate certain things like, oh, I went up to look for wedding gowns for my future daughter-in-law. Taylor and he knew I was gone, but he couldn't figure out how to ask me where I was. So the next day when he saw me, he said, so, Hey, how far did you get? You know, he couldn't figure out how to say like, where did you go? Or 
where were you? So I said, how far did you get? <laughs> My answer was not far. <laughs> Just kidding. So little things like that. As I mentioned in my last week's podcast, when his wife moved back to California, that reduced his anxiety a little bit. But now it's kind of shifted because now he is anticipating her every day. And, you know, that's a burden on her to have to come over and she hasn't been feeling well. So then it's the whole like not knowing what time she's coming and he's stressing about that. And, you know, when we're doing our calls, etc., he you know, just, it's kind of, again, like a toddler, your child is perfectly content playing by themselves until the moment you need to be on an important business meeting. And then your child starts crying. Bob isn't crying, but like the moment we start a meeting, then he needs us for something he wants to show us in the ocean, or he wants to tell us, or he suddenly wants to, I don't know, take one of the dogs for a walk, but he can't put the leash on the dog. He isn't wandering. That's wonderful. His sleep, we have him in his bed. So we got an aura ring for him, which allows us to track his sleep. And what's really fascinating is if he's in bed for 12 hours, he might get five or six hours worth of sleep. Well, when his brain is sleeping, he'll lay there and you would think he's asleep, but he's in light sleep, which really doesn't do you any good. So the nights when he's only in bed for like, say eight hours, then he's only getting like three and four of that are actual sleep, which is really rough. And, you know, it just shows up in cognition. Those are the days when he's not making sense with his clothing choices. Those are the days when he's a little bit more anxious. So where are we? Brett and I are just at a stage where we're just like, you know, what do we need to do? Because it's taking a toll on Brett's health for sure, which therefore then takes a toll on our relationship. I mean, it... I really feel like the whole thing has brought us closer together for sure, but there's no denying that it is stressful and the family component is really stressful. That's really stressful. I just don't want to get into that too much, but it's complicated and frustrating and disappointing. I will say that. And I need to say that because I know some of you are dealing with this and the hardest part, because I've talked to my a couple of my good friends, like my good friend, Kim. And there are just, when family members and friends disappoint, that is also stressful. Cause then you think about it and you think like, is he not a priority or are we not a priority or like, you know, what is this? And it's just disappointing and that's stressful. It's upsetting. And which means then you have like kind of less mental bandwidth right? Like, so we had a couple of new business opportunities that came up in the last couple of weeks and I haven't even replied to those emails. And I just made a decision today on two of them, which normally I would say, this seems like a pretty good opportunity. And I've just said to myself, you know what? I don't have the mental bandwidth to do something new and to think through a new project. It's just not the right season. This is a season for us to, if we're going to take care of our mental health and Bob, we can't also expand our business. So, you know, it's taking a toll on those things. So then what do we do? If we can't count on the things and the help that we had hoped might be different and we see that it's taking its toll in some ways, it's harder than we thought, then we need to do something. 
And so that means we have to get more aggressive about the help that we need in home, most likely. So what does that look like? Because that's a whole thing too. Like I hate having people in my house. Like I have Jess right now who helps me to organize. I freaking love her, love her to death. She can stay all she wants. But we actually need someone who's a certified care specialist for seniors. You know, someone who has that experience in doing that and probably to be there full time, I think. And Bob doesn't want anyone. That's the tricky thing is that he's at the stage where he's aware enough that he doesn't want anyone's help. He doesn't want to hang out with anyone. He's not going to want to go on walks or errands. He's going to ignore them. He's going to be rude to them. I just know it. He just wants to be a family. And that's it. So, but if we don't get that help, then it's going to take a bigger toll on us. So then the alternative would be to find a nursing home, a care facility for him. Now, there's a phrase that people use, which is, is he ready for a home? Is she ready for a home? This is often a term you'll hear people use, and people will often ask you this, and family members in particular will say, like, are they ready for a home? This is like the phrase. And I've come to understand that what that phrase really should be is, are you, meaning you, the caretaker, are you in a position where you can no longer care for them? That's how you answer that question. No doctor's going to say, oh, this person's ready for a home. It's, is the family taxed to the max? Are they stressed to the max? Is it taking a toll on them and they can't do it any longer or they don't want to do it any longer? And I know this sounds harsh, but I almost feel like part of it is to say, is this so inconvenient that you need to make other plans? Now, that's not true for everybody. For some people, it's they're physically no longer able to take care of that person or they're mentally no longer able to take care of that person. For us, I feel like, to be honest, it's a question of how much more stress and inconvenience can we take? And that feels lousy. That feels shitty. It feels selfish to even think that we have the right to prioritize. And I know that doesn't make sense because I know we have the right to prioritize our own life and our own health, but it just feels wrong because he isn't as far along as people are when I assumed we would have to tap out. Like Brett and I made a list of the things that we just were not going to do and we haven't hit those milestones So maybe we have to change those milestones. Although the one milestone that we did hit, which is we said if it took a toll on our health, we would make alternative plans. And it's definitely taking a toll on both of our health because I'm not sleeping as well. Brett's not sleeping at all. You know, he's got a sudden onset stress-induced neuropathy. (laughs) That's probably, let's be honest, I'm the glass half full kind of girl, but that's probably related to this. So we have hit that milestone, but it just still feels lousy. It just still feels selfish to even be thinking about it, but that's where we're at. And I have to just embrace it and kind of get over myself and remember what matters most. And also to remember what Bob would want and Bob would not want any of this, but also Bob would not want to go into a home. So what do you do? This is the national dilemma. Millions and millions and millions of families are right where I'm at and are going to be here next year or the year after. Like millions and millions of you are dealing with this and it's ugly and it's 
not fun, but it is life. And it sucks. <sighs> it really sucks. People love Bob too, man. You guys just love, 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 love seeing his spirit. I love Bob. I love his spirit. I love his happy moments. Obviously, he's got, you know, moments where he drives me crazy <laughs> and moments that he's hard, but his demeanor, his, who he is, he's so kind and so sweet, you know, and I don't want to compare anyone's situation, but we're really lucky with him, but we've got to get help in the house. And that means we have to explain to him and he's not going to like it that we need to do that. And we're going to have to explain to him the alternative and he's not going to like that, but we need to vacation. We need to be able to go to work. We need to be able to leave the house and not be completely stressed out, stomach ache, worried about him. We have to provide for his every care. We have to, you know, you just, he's had a couple of accidents the last couple of days too. In the last couple of weeks, I should say like cutting himself and like just, you know, going to wash the dishes and cutting himself or dropping something and glass breaking and cutting himself. He fell down the street. Like he yeah, have someone there constantly. And that just means we're going to have to hire somebody full-time. And that's another burden that's going to have to fall on us. Nobody else is going to do that. That's going to have to be Brett and I. And that feels big. That feels overwhelming. That feels like, oh my gosh, now we have to do this. And we're going to have to interview people. And I'm an introvert and I freaking hate having people all around. And But we'll find someone amazing. You know, we will. I know it. And we'll see how long that will last. And we'll see how that goes. And that's where we're at. So we're going to have to be more serious and aggressive and we're just going to have to take the lead in terms of finding that person and figuring out how that, you know, I don't know if insurance covers that. I don't know. We'll look into all that and just, you know, hiring a full-time person takes a lot of time. I know because that was my push goal and I just hired three people and I basically had to take a break from all my work to just hire people. And this is going to be a really, really important hire. So it's going to take some time and it just means it's okay to slow down in our business. It's okay to decline personal invitations. It's okay to disappoint my friends and say, I know we were supposed to get together on Friday, but I literally can't. I'm dead. I'm brain dead. I know you're in town and I haven't seen you in a long time, but I can't. I wish we could, but I haven't slept and I just need to take a deep breath. So that's where we are. I'm still very positive and happy and hopeful, but I also want to be very honest and transparent because I just think it's the only way to be, to, you know, kind of lift the veil and tell the truth about what this is really like and how much my faith every single day saves me. I mean, thank God for Jesus. Thank God for my faith. Just reading just a few pages of the Bible, reading a devotional, sometimes just getting a, a message of prayer from a friend is like, oh, yes, just that reminder that I need to remember that this is all part of his plan and it's all going to be okay. Okay doesn't always mean it's going to be exactly as I want it to be, but it's all going to be okay. And it's all for our highest. I believe that. I do. So if you're, whatever it is you're going through, I hope that you will see things that way too, because you are in good hands. We are in good hands. Listen, I love you.
I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon.